I'm your health coach, Melissa Lee. Here at Thriving with Nourishment Health, I provide women with the resources to reclaim fertility and celebrate periods through the lens of functional medicine. It is time to empower ourselves with natural solutions over band-aid medicines. We will get to the root cause of symptoms to see the bigger picture. Let us find the ability to heal ourselves, get back to Mother Nature, and live in a healthier world. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Lifestyle Tuesday. So we are back on, um, you know, just having a normal Lifestyle Tuesday after the whole sleep challenge that was happening last week. Um... So welcome. So today I'm going to be talking about gut impact on our hormones. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm in Dr. Aviva Ram's 28-day gut reset. And she's hosting this reset because um, she is launching her new book, Hormone Intelligence. And I don't have any affiliate link or anything with her, uh, with them. Yeah, with her. Um, I just love her work. And I think what she puts out there is really genuine and high quality and it's based on science, and you can really learn a lot. So, you know, obviously I'm dragging my husband with me into the gut reset, and it's so exciting. Um, so, yeah, I've been learning, you know, a lot more about gut, um, and also just kind of like, I guess, you know, for me as a health coach, like I do know a lot of like the clinical stuff and the science behind it, um, and the program and the course and the reset is actually like a really good way for me to understand what, clients are going through or like you know what the experience is like you know following someone else and then following like recipes and meal plans and stuff and it really brings into mind like okay you know how much is overwhelming and how much is not and it really gives me more um insight into how I run my own you know clients and courses so anyway enough about that if you're listening on the podcast uh, I would so appreciate it if you leave me a five-star review because that would get the information out to more people um, and if you're here live just drop a comment um, say hi always happy to see you here and answer your questions so you know gut health is really important because you know the disease begins in the gut like everything is stemming from the gut and so we want to really get to the root cause and if you have gut issues it can really impact your hormones we have grown up to think that you know all our systems in our bodies are kind of separate like our brain is separate, neurology is separate from like endocrinology, right? Like if you go into like healthcare system, you go, if you go into the hospital, it's always like you see like a gynecologist for hormone problems. You see a neurologist for, you know, if you have, an, um, you have like migraines maybe. Um, you go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist if you have anxiety, depression, whatever. It's very... It's very different, and then obviously if you have gut health, then you might see like a gastroenterologist. And I just want to bring you back into like the bigger picture. Like in functional medicine, we actually see the whole person um, as you know as all the multi systems combined. So we literally you know look at you and like if I look at you and then I would see your symptoms, I don't necessarily just you know try to treat that symptom, but I would try to look for the root cause. And this is what we're going to be talking about today because, you know, our gut impacts our hormones in a lot of ways. 
So the gut um, is actually called the enteric nervous system almost, and it's considered our second brain, but a lot of people now, they think that it's like actually the first and most primal brain because the gut um, has houses tons and trillions of microorganisms, way more than um, the actual cells that we have in our body. Um, it involves the immune system, so 70% of our immune system is housed in the gut. So whenever, um, and this makes sense because whenever if you eat something that's, you know, you're intolerant to, um, if you have a sensitivity to, like, you know, that's why, it, that's why it's called food sensitivities or food triggers, um, you might get an immune reaction like a, a rash or um, like coughing or, you know, sore throat and that kind of thing. Um, and a really big example of this is, is if someone has a peanut allergy, um, and that's usually like an immediate reaction. Um, so this is where the immune system is actually involved in the gut. Um, the gut actually communicates with all the other organs in the body, and it does so by the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is like a really, really long nerve that stretches from the brain stem all the way down into the gut and hitting you know, all the various organs along the way. Um, and studies have shown that you know, it's a two-way, bi-way, directional bidirectional system. So the brain can talk to the gut and the gut can talk to the brain. And they're kind of like texting back and forth. And it's also linked to our emotions. So, you know, the gut can release things called neuropeptides that uh, will go up to the brain and it will tell the brain like what's happening and then the brain will associate, you know, certain emotions with that. Which is crazy because that would also mean that whatever you eat has a lot more to do with just the nutrients you absorb or its impact on like the immune system or you know how it's benefiting you but it also has an impact on your emotions which is crazy if you can think about it that way so everything in our body is interlinked um you know the gut is obviously also a place where digestion and absorption of nutrients take place um and if you have certain conditions here like leaky gut or you have you know um, lack of stomach acid, that's not going to happen for you. You would you know, suffer from malabsorption and maldigestion. And, you know, um, that would mean that you're not getting, you know, any of the nutrients that you're eating, even in healthy food. Um, and so there is a constant chatter, you know, between the gut and the brain. I talked about that. And it's also linked to, like, mental health. And, of course, if you are, have, like, ADHD, too, that is also can be linked to the gut and based on like, you know, maybe things you eat that are ex extra stimulatory or excitatory, like processed foods or sugar or MSG, that kind of thing. So the vagus nerve is really important here. It's being experimented, uh, you know, in research heavily. Um, and I also want to say that neuro various neurotransmitters are also produced in the gut. And if, you're in, if you were in the sleep challenge, you would have known that melatonin is also produced in the gut. Which is crazy because that would mean that our hormones are not only produced in like, you know, the areas in our brain and not only in our ovaries or adrenal glands, but also in the gut. Um, and so it's not very simple to think about like hormones and just like, oh, it's just like, you know, the prostate or the, um, the ovaries. But, you know, like uh, cortisol is produced in the adrenals, um, insulin is also produced in the ovaries, and then uh, melatonin is produced in the gut. So we have to really think about like what are all the other symptoms that come into play if you have um, hormonal symptoms. So one really big way that the gut influences our hormones is through the estrobilome. 
and its impact on estrogen. So estrogen, you know, it's made up of three forms. Um, the main form I'm going to be talking about is estradiol, and that's usually the form of estrogen that is rising during our, the first phase of our menstrual cycle, um, and then it kind of drops off in the second phase of the menstrual cycle as progesterone starts to rise. And so estradiol, um, you know, when it's being released, um, it will, you know, do all its benefit, uh, its beneficial work in our body, like for our menstrual cycle and help us to maintain bone density and helps us with our moods and stuff like that. Gives us the motivation to do things, you know, go, go, drive. Um, but then, um, you know, once it's kind of done with its job or its function, it would actually go to the liver to be broken down into a safer metabolite. And this is also where, you know, detoxification comes into play and you really need to make sure your liver is not overloaded with other things like alcohol or processed foods that, you know, will kind of take away its job of breaking down estrogen. And this is also where, you know, a lot of uh, antioxidants and polyphenols from vegetables and fruits uh, come into play to help with the detoxify detoxification of estrogen. So estrogen has to be broken down, and then once it does that, all the safe, all the metabolites go into the intestines, uh, which is in the gut area, um, to be either recirculated back into the body or excreted through the bowel. And this is where you know you can already see like there are many things that can happen here that could cause estrogen to be recirculated back in the body, and that will contribute to high estrogen levels, which would you know, impact your PMS symptoms, which will cause heavy periods and cramping, that kind of thing. Um, so if you do have those symptoms, think about your gut. Like, are you pooping every day? Maybe if either, you know, your estrogen is not being excreted out properly on a consistent basis, or your estrogen levels are not being detoxified well into, you know, the safer metabolites and it keeps recirculating up. Another thing is, you know, obviously the gut is responsible for that. Um, and it does so by this compound called beta-glucuronidase. And it's basically just a compound that's like uh, formed by the bacteria living in your gut. And so if you have, you know, a different kind of diversity in your gut, like your microbial diversity is not really good, you have a diet full of sugar and very low in fiber, that is actually going to raise the levels of beta-glucuronidase. And that can actually, you know, tweak the estrogen levels into less excretion out of the body and more recirculation into the body and so this is one way um, you know how what we eat can really impact the hormones through the estrobilome um, basically you know your bacteria is being influenced by what you eat so the population changes if you have more ba bad bacteria compared to the good ones um, you know less estrogen is going to be excreted out of the body so you can think about it that way um, and that's why you want to have a good diverse microbiome because it gives you a really good balance of both the breaking down of estrogen and the excreting of estrogen. Um, another thing I want to say is that if you have, you know, uh, high levels of estrogen, um, bear in mind that, you know, if you have excess body fat, that is also a powerful source of active estrogen because body fat can also secrete estrogen. It's not just like a... Um, stagnant kind of area it's actually really active so um, you know when you have excess body fat that's gonna influence your levels of estrogen and also if you are you know really living in an environment where there's a lot of toxins or using beauty products that contain a lot of com um, 
you know, chemicals and phthalates like that that are considered endocrine disrupting chemicals. So they're also known as xenoestrogens because what happens is, let's say you use a lotion and it goes onto your skin. Um, it kind of um, interacts with the estrogen receptors in your ovaries, for example, instead of the, your biological estrogen. And so it kind of replaces that and your body doesn't know like, you know, which one is the real estrogen or not because it kind of acts in the lock and key system. So it can really disrupt the signaling between your ovaries and your brain, for example, and that can contribute to like irregular ovulation, irregular periods, that sort of thing. Um, and so we really want to take note of, you know, the high levels of estrogen in that area as well. Um, and if you think about it, like um, you might have come across the word phytoestrogens. So phytoestrogens and xenoestrogens are the very different things, okay? Xenoestrogens are things that come from the outside, like xeno, right? Xeno means like in Greek, I think. It means things that are external, so external out of the body. So anything that's coming in, toxic uh, waste products or heavy metals from the environment, that sort of thing. Um, but when we think about phytoestrogens, phyto is kind of like from plants, uh, like, you know, like phytochemicals. Um, so phytoestrogens are things like, that come from plants like legumes, um, chickpeas, lentils, flax seeds, that sort of thing, especially like ground flax seeds. It's really um, important to um, help with regulating the levels of estrogen in the body. So for example, if you see cycle, um, like what I talked about last week, I think. Oh, actually, no, I talked about it recently in a video that I made for food period. So if you, I'll put a link in the show notes too, so you can go check it out. But if you, you know, if you're sea cycling and all that, and you're adding seeds to your diet, the flax seeds can actually help with also um, regulating estrogen levels in your body. And also it has ligaments that can help to reduce menstrual cramps, especially if you have them right before your period or during your period. So having all of these foods can really help to shift the hormone levels of production in the gut, uh, via the gut, I should say, um, and that's really important. Um, another thing I want to talk about is obviously fiber, because fiber is so important. Like, you know, one thing about fiber is that it helps us to have good bowel movements. And when you have good bowel movements every single day, it should be daily, um, you can excrete the excess estrogen out of your body and it's not going to be recirculated back into your body. Um, so having fiber is really important. Also, having fiber produces this thing called butyrate, which is a short-chain fatty acid. And butyrate really helps to um, just kind of regulate your estrogen levels as well, and it has a whole host of other benefits. Um, and fiber is actually more important than probiotics for the gut because fiber can also keep you full. It can, you know, kind of regulate your appetite. Um, and it also mm, kind of prevents you from eating too much sugar. So fiber is really important, I should say. Um, and if you uh, want to think about anything else that is toxic for the gut, it will be like the use of antibiotics, uh, foods that are really bad for your gut, like processed sugar or gluten, for example, some of us, uh, dairy as well. As well. Uh, some of us also cannot take like soy because a lot of it is GMO in the US and also wheat and corn, and those are also GMO, GMO products. Um, and also like bacterial overgrowth. So I talked a little bit about um, dysbiosis earlier, like a lack of microbial diversity, but we also want to be talking about bacterial overgrowth. So this is when um, the bacteria in your large intestine is kind of traveling up the uh, colon to the small intestine 
and this is where you know it gets too crowded in the small intestine so whenever you eat something it's going to be digested a lot more it's you know there are like food water for the bacteria um, and when that happens you develop something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth SIBO and that also comes with you know symptoms like gas and diarrhea and constipation alternating constipation and diarrhea that's a form of IBS um, and that also comes a lot with you know certain hormonal conditions like endometriosis for example um, you know women with PCOS tend to have uh, lesser microbial diversity so that's where the dysbiosis come in um, so those are the two things that can affect your gut and the third thing is would be leaky gut so leaky gut is just basically like um, holes I should say like kind of holes or wear and tear on your gut lining so basically your gut lining is usually really um, you know filtered they have a really good filter on there so only certain things can come in and certain things can go out sort of like your air purifier um, but when we start to eat things that you know kind of puncture the holes or the lining um, it can cause little holes and then the tight junctions that bind them together um, actually opens up so whenever you eat gluten for example or the more you eat of certain things that cause you to be intolerant um, you know, like a food sensitivity that you keep eating and you keep getting triggered, the more and more your immune system is going to be uh, hypervigilant and that is also going to be contributing to like all sorts of conditions like skin conditions or like anxiety, depression, mental health issues, um, excuse me, and also like, um, you know, irregularities in your periods as well. So, you know, when it comes to hormones, there's so many other factors that can affect it, right? Like I just did a whole challenge about sleep sleep can totally affect your, your periods and your ovulation. Um, but then this is also a really, really big area. Like gut health um, is really, really important and it can really affect your hormones and all, um, in so many ways. So, um, you know, if you think you have some sort of gut issue and, you know, sometimes most of us, we do have, none of us have like a perfect microbiome, I would say, because we're always trying to deal with the modern environment and we're kind of just staying in a, Trying, trying to stay in optimal range but if you feel like you have a lot of gas symptoms or bloating or you know excessive like um, just really bad gut symptoms um, you want to be thinking about nourishing your gut and nourishing your gut you know starts in small steps so the first thing I would say is like you know have like um, more vegetables in your diet so it can provide those phytoestrogens but also like fiber to help with you know bulking up your stool um, and also having like things like bone broth. So homemade bone broth is amazing because it contains like proline, which is a precursor to collagen, and it contains also uh, amino acids like L-glutamine, which can help to kind of heal the gut lining, and the, and it's really important for muscle recovery, um, and also glycine. So bone broth is really important. If you can make them, you know, every other week, and just sip on that, that is amazing for your gut. Um, I would also say like fermented vegetables. So fermented foods, they are really important for us to kind of repopulate our um, microbiome. And, you know, you will probably know it's usually termed as probiotics. Um, I should say that, you know, if you're getting out a lot and if you're touching soil a lot, you're just getting out, you don't actually need to have probiotics. And you don't actually need to have probiotic supplements if you especially eat like one to two tablespoons of fermented vegetables every single day or um, and also in every single meal like at least twice two out of your three meals a day for example um, that should give you you know the micro organisms that you need 
So also another thing like you know yogurts that if you can tolerate them or coconut yogurts that can really give you like a boost of that good bacteria for your gut. Um, and also things like kefir or you know any other any other like fermented foods that you can tolerate. So that will be um, you know just kind of repopulating your gut. Um, you know, before that, I should also mention that you should remove all of the food triggers that you're sensitive to, and also the really common ones like alcohol, sugar, uh, processed foods, uh, and gluten, for example. So you want to remove that, and then add in the really good stuff like the vegetables, the fruit, some kind of fruit, um, especially berries, because berries really help with detoxification of estrogen, as I said before, and then adding in the fiber, and then some bone broth. Uh, and then adding like fermented foods that that is for kind of like refeeding or repopulating the gut and then at the end you want to really kind of live in a sustainable way so you always kind of nourish your gut so that it doesn't go haywire um, and in the future if you do have any gut symptoms that tend to come up you will know right away that okay like this is how I'm going to heal my gut um, and I should say that, you know, one of the most important things about gut healing and, you know, making space for, you know, food to digest well is actually to chew. And this is really hard because, you know, a lot of us, we are always on the move and we're eating a lot, um, really fast, I should say. So you want to take time to slow down and really chew so that you avoid gut discomfort. And that is also called mindful eating. So taking the time to chew and then also making sure that you're not stressed when you're eating. Because when you are stressed and you go to a meal, 90% of your digestive juices will be, um, you know, it's not there. So that's really important as well. You want to make sure you're not in a stressful state. Um, you're not arguing with someone, for example, you know, crying. Um, you're paying attention to your food and mindful of your chewing. And the next thing is to avoid grazing throughout the day. And even for me, sometimes that's really hard. Um, so when we, you know, eat our main meals in between, we tend to like want to have a little snack here and there and, you know, you can have like good quality snacks, right? Instead of the high sugar ones. But even then, um, you really want to try and give your gut like a break in between so that it can kind of cleanse. So in our intestines, there's these contract contractions called the migrating water complex, NMC, and it's basically like a wave. Like you think about the oceans, you know, you know, it rises and it comes down, it's like a wave. And so that happens kind of um, occasionally too in your stomach and your intestines. And it's kind of just a way to kind of uh, flush all of the bad bacteria or any kind of waste products out of the body. And if we're constantly grazing, that process gets interrupted. And when that happens, there's higher chance of developing SIBO, for example, or the bacteria um, from the large intestines will tend to migrate upward into the small intestine um, more and so you would tend to have uh, you know higher risk of developing IBS for example or worsening your gut symptoms so ideally in between your major meals try to have like a good like at least three to four hours of meals and if you're eating your meals really well like if you have good protein fat and fiber you won't really be hungry anyway because those are the nutrients that sustain you if you are hungry just after an hour or after two hours, it just means that you probably do not have enough fat or fiber or protein in your meal. It might be, it might be too much carbs, for example, um, and that is going to just trigger you constantly wanting to eat all day. 
Um, so that is just kind of a general guideline. Obviously, you know, if you're someone who constantly suffers from low blood sugar, you do want to try and maintain that blood sugar levels with good snacks. Um, but this is just more of a general guideline. And also, um, like, you know, a solution, or like an insight into, like, how come you might have like SIBO or some kind of IBS symptoms. Um, and so that is for the gut. And if you're thinking about supplementing, um, you know, really simple is like digestive enzymes. That's like a really quick fix for like just helping you to digest a little bit better while you work on the root cause. And usually supplements, you know, especially for the gut, it's just about two to three months, depending on how severe it is. But it's not for life. Like you don't want to take any supplements really for life because um, you know, for example, if you're doing like probiotics or digestive enzymes, um, you just really want to use that as support. So at least whenever you're eating, you're still digesting the nutrients while you're working on the root cause of your symptoms. And, you know, usually the root cause of gut symptoms would be like maybe you're too stressed or you're not eating, you know, slowly, you're not chewing your food fast enough or you're taking like PPIs, proton pump inhibitors that is actually lowering the amount of acid um, in your stomach, for example. Um, you know, and, and they can all, can, there can be a lot of other things, right, that can affect the gut too, which also has an impact on your hormones. So that is uh, all I have for you today. If you have any questions about that, any section at all, like, um, just pop a question into the comment box and I'll get back to you. Otherwise, I will see you next week for the next episode.